In fact, why don't you stand up? Let's lift our hands to heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the anointing of God on Pastor Sidney as he comes to minister to us. We're so thankful for the work of God in his life, and we draw on the gifts and the callings that you've placed within him and upon him. Lord, feed us, feed our spirit, cause us to grow strong. We bless you. And Lord, as Abraham uh, was strong in faith by giving glory to God, now we just open our mouth and give you glory. Go ahead, praise him with your mouth. I give you glory, Lord. I praise you. I praise you for all you've done. I praise you. I worship you for all you've done and all you're going to do and for who you are who you are. You're my God, my Lord, my provider. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Pastor Sidney, bless the people. Hallelujah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? I'm telling you, all you have to do is make yourself available and his goodness overtakes you. A fun little testimony quick to tell you about Adrian and um, lift up your healed arm. So yesterday out there playing football, you know, he, he injured it, and um, so we, we, of course, lay hands on him and pray, and the pain's still there, so take him down to urgent care, and, and they do everything that they do. They take their x-rays and have the doctor look at it, and the doctor comes in, shows us on the x-rays a very clear break um, in, in the arm, and... Um, <laughs> And uh, we, we get out of there, of course, you know, $300 later. And um, with orders that we have to go to the specialists, the orthopedic um, people today, and um, that they will determine what sort of cast is needed on his arm. Well, we here we had, you know, some of us had prayed and agreed. And, and I said this, I said, you know, well, my wife said, well, why can't we you know, just believe for it to be healed and not even go to the orthopedic people tomorrow. I said, well, I do want the doctor to confirm the healing. You know, the Lord, healing will, will stand up under a microscope. If you're healed, it'll show healed. And so we're, I said, uh, let's just believe for healing and let's believe that we're going to get there. And, you know, they'll just say that we don't need the cast and that it's healed and it's fine. And of course, Adrian, he, his faith went into wide open because, you know, he, he figured out he wouldn't be able to play football and, and ultimate Frisbee. So he's like, that won't do. <laughs> so this morning, he's still in bed sleeping. And I get a phone call. It's a doctor that we were at yesterday. The doctor says, hey, uh, one, or the nurse, she said, uh, just want to let you know that um, this morning we had the technician looking at the x-ray and uh, she says it's not fractured at all. <laughs> so she goes, um, but if you want, you can still go to the orthopedic and get a, s a second opinion. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's necessary. I said, can I take the thing that's on his arm off? And she's like, well, you know, as long as it doesn't hurt, sure. If it hurts, put it back on. So I go up and wake him up. Say, Adrian, and I tell him, and so he immediately sits up, well, I'm taking this off. <laughs> Starts moving it around, and so, you know, the Lord is faithful, isn't He? And it's the same Jesus that healed those thousands of years ago, heals you and I today, and He's faithful. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I feel a little bit if you, uh, like when if you've ever canoed a river and especially if you are you go through a big stretch of water that's still and you're doing all this paddling and all this paddling finally you come to where the flow is swift and and you work your canoe out in or that your kayak out into that flow and then you can just sit back and relax and you're in the river you're in the flow and um, things that were hard suddenly become easy and I believe that's really where we are at, not only in this hour today, but I'm saying in this season that we're at as, as a world, as the church in the world, is that we're getting into a flow. Yeah, there's some rapids. Yeah, there's some rough water, but we're getting into a flow where the hard things are going to become easy. 
And we're going to begin to see the glory of the Lord be real, tangible, and manifest in the earth. And wherever we go, and when we you know, are in there talking to the, the, the cashier lady for 45 minutes, where's Shane? And that testimony blessed me. Thank you for sharing that. So go with me, if you would, over to uh, Mark chapter 1, and we're going to look at a, um, we're going to talk about praying. You know, prayer is something that is vitally important if we want to see the kingdom of God expand in the earth. I mean, prayer is our lifeline. And prayer is too often treated like uh, a spare tire that you pull out when you're in trouble. When, when rather, prayer should be treated more like the steering wheel that it guides you and keeps you on the path you're supposed to be on. And um, so, so we don't want to look at it as a crutch, but rather as something that keeps us connected and steered correctly. And so just very quickly, let's look at Mark 1, verse 35. says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, he, talking of Jesus, went out and made his way to a deserted place and he was praying there. So spending time in prayer alone is important. Don't allow all your prayer time to just be corporate prayer time with others. But find time in your secret place to talk with the Lord. It might, your secret place might be you know, driving down the road in a car or it might be in a bathroom like, like Pastor Bob's office. You know? But find the secret place and talk to the Lord. Because one of the things that I've found is when I am alone, my prayers are just more organic and authentic and I'm not concerned about having a certain flow or rhyme or rhythm. Just talk to the Lord like, you know, conversation. And then the second thing I'll, I'll mention on that is don't make it just a one-way conversation. You must take time to listen. Lord, what do you want to say to me? And take time to listen. Pay attention to what bubbles up on the inside. Alright? And, and pay attention to that. So Jesus, He spent a lot of time he said he went out into this deserted place and he was praying there. Let's go over to Luke chapter 5. Now, why would Jesus spend this time in prayer? Why would he pray? I mean, after all, he is Jesus. <laughs> well, Jesus walked the earth like a man, just like you and I have to, by faith. And he had to get all his marching orders and his direction and his guidance from the Father, just like you and I do. And the Holy Spirit was in and on him. We know that because it came down on him at his baptism. And um, people saw it descending on him, right? But he also said that I don't do anything except what I see the Father do and I hear him say is what I say. So he had direction. He had purpose. He, had, he, he knew what today needed to be done. And he would go out and go do it. So he had to spend time in talking with the Father to get those that direction. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 says, But the word about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. You know, he wasn't just going to somewhere and praying because it gave him something to do or because he wanted to be alone and was tired of the crowds, or because he was, it was a religious exercise. Well, I guess I ought to pray, right? No, he went and prayed because it actually made a difference. You know, how much more would you and I pray if we truly believed in the power that prayer makes available to us? If we truly believe that when I pray, answers come. When I pray, arms are healed. When I pray, people come to the Lord. In fact, that lady, Shane, do you know her name that you were talking to yesterday? All right, we'll just call her cashier lady. How's that? Let's pray for her right now. Father, we lift this lady up to you right now, and, and I just ask you, Lord, that the words that Shane spoke to her, that you empower those words, that they become like fire on the inside of her, that you bring them to her remembrance, Father, by your Spirit, convince her of your truth, convince her of the reality of a living Jesus, and draw her to you, Lord, 
Father, I ask You to send other workers to her to water those words that were spoken to her. Father, I ask You to um, continually open a door in her heart for Your Word to find good soil. And Lord, grant her repentance. Grant her the ability to repent and to change and to turn fully to You. I thank You for this in Jesus' name. Now, what we 100% know is that she will have opportunity to do all of everything we just prayed. It doesn't mean she'll step into it, but she will have the opportunity, just like we prayed. All right? All right, here it says he often prayed. Well, if Jesus, a sinless, spotless Son of God, had to often pray, how much more do you and I need to pray? Who blow it often, right? Make lots of mistakes. If He needed this constant communion with the Father, then you and I need it as well. And if you go over to chapter, chapter 9, you know, Martin Luther, he said to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. A Christian without prayers. I like saying a Christian without fruit. Alright, let's look here in 9 verses 28. It says, about eight days after these words, he took along Peter, John, and James and went up into the mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. His clothes became dazzling white. This is what we know as the transfiguration. And who shows up? Well, it says that he, Moses and Elijah, and he's having conversations with them. They appeared in glory. They were speaking to him about his death and about what he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem. And this amazing transfiguration takes place. But notice that when it took place was when he was praying. It was as he was praying is what the Word says that great power was available. That this transfiguration Figuration took place and, and this amazing testimony. And, and then what happens? The Father shows up and goes, this is My beloved Son. I'm really pleased with Him. The Father speaks as He was praying. I think it was John Wesley that said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. Now, the Lord watches over, over His word to perform it. Another scripture says that, you know, he was amazed that there was no watchman to make up the gap in the wall, no one to stand and intercede. Well, that's that's a tragedy that we know from back then in the Old Testament and from the prophets, but today, let's not let it be said that we aren't standing in the gap, that there's nobody in the gap. Let's not let it be said that there's no one interceding for the lost all around us. You know, 7.8 billion people on the planet, most of them do not have a relationship with the living Jesus that we heard about. And if you and I will just make it a matter of prayer on not only about them, but how to reach them, we will become effective in ways that we just simply haven't been yet. So go over to Psalms chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2, I heard Pastor Hate. Wanted to go to Psalms 2, and I'm like, okay, we're, we're thinking the same place at least. Psalm chapter 2, and we're going to look into verse 8. And what I want to teach you um, very simply today is I'm going to give you six things on how to pray effectively for the lost. Six points, six things to pray for the lost, or to pray for uh, not only the people that you have met and had conversation with, but people that you are going to meet and have conversation with. People that your brother and sister and neighbor and even believers you've never met are going to meet and have conversation with. So let's look here in, in, in verse 8. This is what it says. It says, ask. Everyone say, ask. Ask. You know the responsibility to ask is on you and I. We know very, very clearly what the will of God is concerning the lost. It says it's His will that none should perish, right? So we are very clear on what God wants, but yet He still says, ask. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it will be opened, right? So we, the responsibility to ask is on us. 
So let's make sure we, we do step number one, and that is to ask, and let's ask in particular what it says here. Ask of me, and I will make the heathen your inheritance, or the word is nations. I will make the nations your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possession. Ask of me for the heathen to be your inheritance. Well, that's a really simple prayer, isn't it? Say, Lord, I'd like the heathen to be my inheritance. Proverbs 11, verse 30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that takes souls, he that winneth souls, I think is how the King James says, he that takes souls is wise. Is wise. You want to be wise? Then win souls to Jesus. And the fruit of that is, it comes from the tree of righteousness. The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. And he that takes souls is wise. So, so number one is ask for the heathen, ask for the lost to be your inheritance. Your personal inheritance, your family's inheritance, your church's inheritance, the church. The global church's inheritance. Ask. The responsibility is on us to ask. Number two, let's go over to Matthew 9. You know, make it a habit to just pray. Whenever you, a need crosses your path, I mean, like if, if you watch the news or you, you read, if you're like me, you just kind of read headlines on, on news sites. And don't spend a whole lot of time reading articles, but I look at headlines. Those headlines are, are prayer request lists. All right? You can scan those and go, okay, that one, I'm going to pray about it, and then pray about it. That's one of the things that um, I love about the Mirabellas, Stephen and Jana, and, um, is that when, when I first went over to go, go meet them and go see them in 2016, uh, Brian Wills and I, we arrived and I was immediately impressed when once we just started spending a little bit of time with them about one particular thing about them was that anytime we just in our conversation, anytime a need would come up in our conversation or yeah, so and so is, yeah, they're, they're not doing real well in their Christian life or so and so. Yeah, I don't know. I hope that airline ticket's going to work out. They would just interrupt right there and begin to pray for that need. And it wasn't a big flowery, oh, Lordeth Almightyeth, you know, that kind of thing. It was just, Father, I ask that you just make that thing work out and, and whatever the need was, just real simple. And we'd go right on with the conversation. And, you know, five minutes later, something else, suddenly they're praying for that person or, or whatever, just a constant lifestyle of being aware of the presence of God and putting our requests and petitions to them, to Him, because they know it makes a difference, right? So for you and I, we know this makes a difference. So let's develop the habit and the awareness of the Father constantly with us. With us. Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to look at point number two of how to pray effectively for the lost is also ask. All of these are going to do with an ask. But ask the Lord to send workers to them. And let's read why we would, we would say that really what I'm doing is I'm presenting you six points and then I'm showing you from Scripture why we can pray these things with faith and authority because this is what Scripture says we should and how we should pray. And so here in, in verse 35, or I'm sorry, verse 37, let's go. Then he said, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray. So Jesus is telling them to pray. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to do what? To just save all the harvest? Nope. Pray that he would send out workers into that harvest. Ask the Lord specifically, which is what we just did for Cashier Lady, to send more workers to her, more people to sow the seed of the Gospel, to water the seed that's been put there already. Ask specifically for them to be your inheritance, number one. And then number two, Lord, send workers to them to minister the Gospel to them. Send people to them so that they will hear the truth of the Word. Because... If they don't hear, they can't believe. right? If no one says it to them, they can't hear. 
So our responsibility is to tell them. And then if we would just keep, keep reading, we'll see the very next thing that happens after he instructed them to pray this, he sends them out. The result of them praying, because I believe they did, I believe they were obedient, he, he gathered the twelve together and gave them power and authority over sickness and devils and all these things and then sent them out. So when you're going to pray for the Lord to send workers to them, realize right here's a worker. The one that was doing the praying. So don't be shocked when the Lord sends you. Alright? We're not just praying, Lord, you send other people. Let me stay at my swimming pool and sipping my iced tea. No, but we're asking, Lord, send workers and I'm willing. I'm willing. Go over to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 is where we will find the scriptural basis for point number three, the third thing to pray. So we're praying and asking the Lord for them as an inheritance. You know, Pastor Dale talked about the soul winner's crown. Inheritance. Soul winner's crown. Ask them for, to be your inheritance. You ever notice how the Lord... He, he, the Word, let's put it that way, the Word doesn't tell us to just ask small things. Like, it's the impossible things. And nations? Oh, not just one nation. Thank you, Lord. Nations? Yeah, ask the Lord for nations as an inheritance. And then number two, ask the Lord to send workers to those nations. That includes our own. Our own Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And then number three, ask the Lord for an open door of access into their life. Ask for an open door. Father, give an open door to those workers that You're sending to them. Give opportunity to them that they can just speak right into their life. Give me an open door into this situation. You know, one of the things that you can pray is, is ask the Lord to give them dreams and visions in advance to prepare their heart so that then when you come across them, they're just open, ready to receive. Boom! What you have the Gospel to deliver. So here in Colossians 4, We'll see an example of this. He says in verse 2, Paul is saying to the Colossian church, he says, devote yourselves to prayer. Now, the word devote is interesting because it doesn't mean casually pray. Every now and then. Occasionally. On the third Tuesday of every month. Right? Devote yourself, not everyone else, it's not your job to make sure other people are praying, Devote yourself to prayer. That means you're committed. That means that it's something that you do regularly. That means it's a habitual thing, not, not religious thing. You know, I spend, I spend a lot of time with my wife, but we can still be deliberate when we're together. So we don't spend time together because, well, I guess I have to put in log extra amount of time. I mean, if I do that, I can guarantee you our fellowship together isn't going to be real sweet. But if, if I spend time with her because I desire to, because I know that this is, is good for us, well, then the fellowship that comes out of that is effective, is sweet, is, is restful, right? Is invigorating. So devote yourselves to prayer. The second thing it says is stay alert. Watch in it with thanksgiving. You know, praying will help you be alert. Being a person of prayer, uh, uh, Pastor Dale said, you know, put your spiritual antenna up. Well, prayer, especially praying in the Spirit, has a way of doing exactly that. Putting up your antenna and you become sensitive to the Lord, sensitive to His direction, sensitive to, you know, Walk over there through, don't go through self-checkout. Go, go, go through this cashier lady over here. And you become sensitive to the Lord and He leads and directs you this way. So you're going to devote yourself to it. You're going to watch. You're going to be grateful and thankful for the things that He's given you. Verse 3, at the same time, now He gives a very specific prayer request. He says, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the Word to speak the mystery of the Messiah for which I am in prison. 
so that I may require it, uh, reveal it as I am required to speak. So he says, pray for an open door for our word. You know, the word's not, if, if there's no open door for it, then what's the point? So we're going to ask for the heathen to be our inheritance. We're going to, to ask the Lord to send workers, but then, Lord, open a door for those workers. Open a door for me. Open a door into their life. Give opportunity. You know, God, let's say it this way, create God opportunities. Create opportunities for God to encounter them. You know, the results belong to Him. He's the one that takes care of that. But you and I can activate the will and plan of God on their behalf by simply opening our mouth and speaking forth and letting our words become like fire and they'll be like wood and it'll start to set their heart ablaze on the inside and bring them into light and revelation in the kingdom of God and then they go out and do that. And the ripple effects can just continue all the way around this planet. So number three, ask for an open door of access into their life. And go over to Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll look at number four. There's also a very specific request that Paul presents to the people. In uh, chapter 6, let's look down into uh, verse 18 we'll begin with. He says, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. So that's praying in tongues. All right, Praying in the Spirit makes you sensitive to the Lord. It charges you up. It causes you to be able to see that which you would not see otherwise. So pray in the Spirit. And then he says, stay alert in this with all perseverance and requests for all the saints. And then check verse 19. Pray also for me, Paul tells them. And this is why he says it. That the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known. So he's saying, pray that I might have the words to say. Pray that the Word would be given to me. And not only just that I might know what to say, what else does He say? To make known with boldness the mystery of the Gospel. He's saying, this is, is number four, ask for boldness and ask for the right words to say. Ask for boldness and the right words to say. The Lord can make your words like, how does that proverb say? Like, Apples on plates of gold or something like that. A word fitly spoken at the right time. Well, what is that? That's the power of God in those words. And so we're going to pray and ask, Lord, give boldness. Um, Pastor, Pastor Bill shared that test or out of, out of Acts, how the disciples, you know, they got beaten and they went back to their people. And that was one of the things they prayed is, Lord, give us boldness. And it, it excited the Father so much that He whoo, shook the building and house and the power of God showed up and they did. They went out and they spoke with boldness and the Gospel just continued to explode out of that. So ask the Lord for boldness in the right words. So we're asking for them to be our inheritance. We're asking, Lord, send workers to them. That includes me. I am willing. Here am I. Send me. Ask for an open door of access when that time comes. Ask for bold, boldness and the right words to speak. And that takes us to number five. Let's go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 and verses 10 and 11. This is a declaration of the Lord. He's saying this. He said, For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat. He's saying just like that, this is how my word is that comes from my mouth. Now notice he says my word and my mouth. So make sure you're saying his word, saying what he says. He says, my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty. 
It will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. And when you tell someone that there is a living Jesus and He loves you, that is His Word that you're speaking. And it's going to accomplish what it was sent to do. And it's going to prosper inside of them and bring them to the light of the Gospel. Again, they have a choice to make at that point. The Lord doesn't override your free choice, but you and I as intercessors can continually have them bombarded with choices. You know, every time they turn down an opportunity to come to the kingdom, you and I can go right back and say, Lord, I ask you to give them more opportunity. And because you are his child and his ear is open to you, he absolutely guarantees in his word that he will give them another opportunity. And then they'll have another choice to make. This is why we don't just pray once and then quit and say, well, I prayed for them, I'm done. You know, Jesus prayed for Peter and he said, you know, Satan has looked to sift you like wheat. He said, but I've prayed for you. You're going to be all right. But then yet later, he's praying for him again in John 17. You know, repeatedly he prays for, for his disciples and, and for future believers. So we're going to, the Lord's word will accomplish what it was sent to do. It will prosper in what it was sent to do. And so point number five is ask that the word will find fertile soil in their heart. Good ground, you might know it as. Remember the parable of the seed? It said the seed is the word of God. The, the, the heart is the ground. And so some of the seed fell on the wayside, some on thorny ground, you know, some all these different grounds. But then some seed fell on good ground. On fertile soil. And so what is good ground? It's ground where the door was open and their heart is already ready to receive it. The Word of life. The Word of truth. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and look at another Scripture on this. Of ask that the Word will find fertile soil in their heart. 2 Thessalonians Chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, finally, pray for us, brothers. Now, let me just say this. If Paul thought that praying was just a religious exercise and there really wasn't that much benefit to it, he wouldn't have asked people to pray for him. I mean, it's not like they need more to do. It's not like they're sitting around bored. He specifically asked them to pray because he knew it's going to make a difference. It's the difference between it happening or not happening. And it's time that we begin to grasp the reality of that, the weight of that, the responsibility of that, that no, I can't save anyone, but I can sure present them with opportunities. And then let the Lord do what He does on the inside of them. And, and here in verse 1 says, finally pray for us, brothers, and here's what He wants them to pray, that the Lord's Word may spread rapidly. Or as some translations say, have free reign. That the Lord's Word will, will spread easily and freely and be honored just as it was with you. That the Lord's Word would have free reign. That's finding good soil in their heart. That the Lord's Word is going to expand and to grow. In fact, in, in Acts 20, it says the Word of the Lord grew rapidly and expanded. Right? So that's what we're praying for, number five. And number six, go over to 2 Timothy. You're just right there near it. 2 Timothy chapter 2. The sixth thing that we're going to ask the Lord when it comes to praying for the lost is ask the Lord to grant them repentance. To gift them repentance. Repentance is a gift that the Lord gives. And don't let the word repentance can like, oh, this is crying in the altar. I mean, you might do that when you repent. But the word repent means to change. The ability to change. And it really means that you have a change of heart that leads to a change of thinking that leads to a change of action, of direction. You know, you're going this way and if I repent of going this way, it means I've changed and gone this way. That's what repentance is. And sure, there is a thing like, you know, like tears and sorrow for sin. But really, when you hear repentance, don't think of it in that way. Think of it this way. The ability to change. The ability to change. So pray and ask the Lord to grant them the ability 
to change, repentance. 2 Timothy 2 verse 24 says this, The Lord's slave must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance to know the truth. See, granting them repentance, the ability to know truth, the ability to change. Go over to Acts chapter 5, and we'll see another Scripture on this. Again, I want to be deliberate in showing you here is the biblical basis for why we would pray these things. We're not just giving you six points to pray because, well, it makes a nice sermon. No, these are six specific things that, that were said to pray in the Scripture, to ask for. Number six, we're, we're looking at ask the Lord to grant them repentance. In Acts chapter 5, look in verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered, by hanging Him on a tree. God exalted this man, speaking of Jesus, to His right hand as ruler and Savior. And then here's why, or for what purpose? To grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now, it was actually to grant repentance to the whole world, but Peter is speaking to the Israelite authorities here. So that's why he's saying it this way. And that he was sent to grant repentance. That's a grant. What is a grant? A grant is something that you don't pay back. It's something that's gifted to you. That be, that's given to you. And so grant the ability to change. Jesus came to offer forgiveness and grant you the ability to change. From your old way of being and all things become new and suddenly there's a new way of being. Not just a new being, a new way of being. So what I would like to do now is take a few minutes and, and we're going to pray. But what I would like for you to do, and this is kind of, of a dangerous exercise, but I like to have fun and experience a little bit of danger. All of these flags on the walls represent many, 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 many lives, many souls. Many people. And so what I would like for you to do, I would like to have someone lay hands on everyone on the wall underneath the flag is, is a says the nation's name. And so you guys just get up and scatter all around. Make sure every flag has someone standing at it. It doesn't mean that you're going to go to that nation, but it means that you're praying for that nation. It, we can have multiple people at one. It doesn't matter. Just make sure there is someone at each one. Well, Father, I thank You so much for Your mighty Word. Thank You for sending Jesus into the world. That You loved the world so much that You gave that which was most precious to You. And Lord, we've received, we've experienced Your goodness, we've tasted and seen of Your goodness, Lord. And we just lift up all of these nations to You, starting right here with our own nation at home. And Father, to every nation on the planet, even the ones that aren't represented here. But Father, I lift up to You, and go ahead and say the name of the nation that You're praying for. Father, I lift these nations up to You and I ask You, Father, for these nations as an inheritance to the body of Christ. As an inheritance even to us as Armada. I thank You, Lord, that You would give souls to us in this way. And I ask You, Lord, to send workers to each one of these nations. To send people to these places to speak truth and to give the Word of life and to show the way clearly and to make disciples in these nations. Father, even we are willing to go to these places. And I ask You, Lord, for an open door of access into these nations, into the people's lives, into the people that those nations represent. I ask You to open and make a way that we could enter into those places, that workers can enter in to those nations, to people's lives. I ask You to give them a, a great boldness and the right words to speak when that open door comes. Lord, that You would empower their words. Give them what they should say. Lead them by Your Spirit in a very, very uh, real, tangible way and that Your glory would be lifted up. Lord, I ask that 
that word, those right words you give them will find fertile soil in the hearts of the people of these nations. That light will grow and explode in these nations. That souls will come into your kingdom as an inheritance. And Lord, I ask you as that word finds fertile ground in their heart, that you would give them repentance. That you would grant them the ability to change. That they would be convinced of their need of Jesus. Convinced that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. Convinced that they need you. Convinced of your love. I ask you to encounter them in every way in Jesus' name. And one more thing, Lord. I just ask you for every person in this room to, that your spirit come within and upon in a mighty way. That your desires become our desires in concerning soul winning. That your plans become our plans. That your thoughts become our thoughts. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's right. Just pray in tongues for a little bit. Stretch yourself towards those flags. And if God has a country on your heart and your hand's not on that particular flag, that's all right. Just pray out in the Holy Ghost. Vedo ramaneriando que su cambre do estupale van yen conerete ista e curala es do san yen do care bavaste numbra naniendo e curala casta e vabayeno nasto biedo biedo vaselicana corre balaneste ista e docu Rana nayeno, stelechiato corana le chesti, istaye cura, vando rebando stesila, viedo cabarrando, vena sale deste, i caramale costa sanesto, brandiando corresto, ve branara baleto corane che se esala, nambareato casta, brendo ramaleco, destu saita, Bredo costo, bremalahan deste. Thank you, Lord God, that you bring us to the places where we belong. Thank you, Lord, that you give us the words that we ought to speak. Thank you, Lord, that we're always at the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing, to say the right thing, to reach the right people. We thank you. We honor you for it, Lord. We're divine uh, people on a divine mission. We are the light of the world. We thank you we drive out darkness. We thank you that we're full of the glory of the Lord. We thank you, Father, that we convey to the earth the water that is needed. And the desperate people, they'll cry out and come. They'll cry out and come. They will cry out and come. We thank you that you draw the people from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west, that you cause them to come in, that they might hear and that they might believe and that they might be saved. We thank you and we honor you and we glorify your holy name. We bless you, Lord Jesus. You are the Lord. You are the Lord. You are my Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 Well, glory to God. Thank you, Pastor Sidney. You know, I, I don't know if you caught on quick enough, but uh, that's a dangerous prayer to pray. To pray for the nations and to pray that God send forth laborers. Because when you pray it, uh, you're probably first in line. Amen. And uh, I can testify to that personally. Uh, 1983, I was in, go ahead, sit down for two minutes. I guess it's my conference. I can do what I want. And, uh, uh, 1983, the entire summer, I went out early. I went out actually over the Easter weekend to Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's, I, I gave away everything I had except for my clothes and what I put in a car because I wanted to give everything to Jesus and it's such a wonderful, liberating thing. 
And then uh, I kept track of everything that I owned at the time, and I gave all of it away until I could say that I'd given everything away. And uh, it's a joy, you know. I only wore those things out there that somebody gave to me, and I'd just give it away. You know, I had some ties. They didn't last long, things like that, you know. But on every Wednesday night of the summer of 1983, instead of traveling, Kenneth Hagin stayed in Tulsa. It was unusual. And they started a Wednesday night service at the Bible school because they didn't have a church. It was Raymond Bible Training Center. There was no church. Now there's a church there. But they started a Wednesday night service, and Brother Hagin taught the entire summer of 1983 the same sermon every Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night. He read scriptures from the minor prophets, and then he went to James, and he taught a message on the latter rain. And then he would talk about uh, how they had begun to smuggle uh, literature into the former, or not, not former, into the evil Russian empire. And then uh, it was always, you know, 30, 45 minutes at most. And then to about, oh, I don't know, 750 to 1,000 people, he would say, now stand up in your, where you're sitting, turn around and get on your knees, and we're going to spend about a half hour praying in tongues for Russia, for the Soviet Union. For the entire summer, without, I got tricked. I, I, I didn't have any calling. I didn't have any desire. But I got tricked for every summer, every Wednesday night. I spent at least 30 minutes praying in tongues for the former Soviet, or not former, for the Soviet Union, the evil empire, and that God would bless those books that were going into that country. Well, you already heard my testimony. I think Monday, I told it, or Tuesday, that a missionary drove through our town in Titusville, Pennsylvania, and his car broke down. Well, he was the man I was praying for every night that summer. He's the one who uh, went into the Soviet Union and actually bought a printing company and was illegally printing books and distributing them throughout the Soviet Union. In fact, later when I went to Belarus, his interpreter and assistant and the man that ran the entire printing operation was, uh, became close to us. And uh, after we were there for two years... He got caught at a checkpoint, and they drug him out of the car and beat him to death. Uh, there, was, there was a price in all of that. So when you pray for a country, you don't take it lightly. You may end up, you may end up preaching there. Amen? Now, you may not, and it may be that God's using you to empower someone else to, to take the step that's, that is risky, as Pastor said. It is dangerous sometimes. Or sometimes it's not in the sense, well, actually never it's not because... You know what? It, you the, What is it, Bill? Let me say it correctly. The safest place to be is in the will of God. You're safer in the will of God than in a safe place. Amen. Amen to that. I'll tell you, that's the truth. And I'll also tell you that when God told me to go to the Soviet Union the first time, a spirit of prayer came upon me. Sometimes what you'll find in ministry, now listen to me here, you want to minister for God? One of the things you, you watch is that God will lead your praying. God will lead your praying. You'll find yourself praying for something out of the ordinary. I put my ears up in my spirit. But when, when, when I was invited to go into the Soviet Union, which would have been about 1992 because I didn't go till 93, a spirit of prayer came on me for the first time for the Soviet Union. And when I say it came on me, what I'm talking about is when you, you walk with God long enough, you don't have to make yourself pray. He'll wake you up to pray. You'll be driving and he'll bug you. You'll be, you'll be putting beans in your grocery cart and the Lord will remind you of something. And there you are with a can of beans praying for the, the, the people who ain't got no food over in India. You, you, you know, the Spirit will lead you. And I began to pray... He'd wake me up and I'd, I would begin to pray five, ten minutes. I'm not, I'm not, don't, don't get melodramatic about it. You know what? You can pray real, you can pray a lot real fast. And you, he'd wake me up and I'd pray five minutes, maybe even just two or three, and then roll over, go back to sleep, get up in the morning and think, did I pray that last night? Yeah, yeah, I did. And then it would increase. And I was praying for the Soviet Union. But the thing is, is I was praying the same thing every time. Same words would come out my mouth. 
And I would pray, Lord, lead me to the men that will change the nation. Lord, lead me to the men that will change the nation. Then I'd go to sleep. I'd wake up or I'd be in my office. I'd put a book on the library shelf or I would be shaving. You know that moment sometimes where you just kind of, your mind's open enough just to have a thought or be creative. You know what I'm talking about? We've all had it happen, right? And right at that moment, it just come out of my mouth. Lord, lead me to the men that will change the nation. Lead me in that. And that's exactly what he did. Just but follow that because that's what's going to lead you to your next point, appointment, appointment. Lead you to your next area of destiny. And pray in tongues. You're just not smart enough to always do it in English. But pray in the Holy Spirit and then pray in English. You pray 30 minutes in tongues and you'll have English to pray. You start praying in English for five minutes and you'll be empty. Well, that's okay. Well, then just pray in tongues until you got more English. Well, what is that? That's interpretation of tongues. When Paul said, pray that you interpret, I don't believe he meant pray a separate prayer. Lord, give me the interpretation. I don't believe that's what he meant. I meant, I believe he meant you pray in tongues until the interpretation comes. It'll float up out of your spirit. I was in Mar- I'm sorry, but I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. I was in Mariupol, Ukraine with an interpreter that looked like Elvis Presley. Honest to God. I mean, I think he'd win the prize. And, uh, and uh, he, he was next to me in, in, in an evening service where they always prayed. I mean, we, we, you'd, ha- you'd have about three hours of worship and then about an hour of prayer. I mean, it, would just, it, was, it was really a, a fun time. And I was on my knees by the chair praying in tongues. And as I'm praying in tongues, I noticed the interpreter was, was, was listening to me. And I thought, he's heard tongues before, certainly. But he acted like, you know, something was off. And he's paying attention to me. And I'm praying in tongues for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. And then we got up. I went up and preached. Then later that evening at, at a meal, because they always then have to feed you. And uh, we're sitting there, and he sat down, and he said, I, I had no idea you, you spoke such good Russian. Well, I said, I don't. And, and he says, well, sure, you, when you were praying, you were praying in perfect Russian. And you, not only that, but you were praying for all, all these Russian, all these cities in, in the, their old names. And I said, what are you talking about? He, he said, well, you were praying for Mariupol, but you didn't call it Mariupol. You called it Zhdanov. Well, that was the old name. I, I had no idea there were old names for those cities. He said, you prayed right around the map of Russia. Well, he wrote them all out. I said, write them out. I want to know. I haven't been able to find that piece of paper, but I know I have it somewhere. And uh, he said, you prayed all these names. I remember I prayed for Varshava. I didn't know that was Warsaw. He, and this whole list of names that went all the way out into Siberia. Well, that where'd that come from? Out of your spirit. Listen, you pray like that, you'll have dates with destiny. Oh, sure, it might be 10 years, it might be 20 years. Who cares? Because when you get there, the way has been paved by your praying. Amen?